Hello everyone and welcome to a very exciting quick look because it is the iPhone time of the season. Apple has launched three of its four upcoming iPhone 14 models because the iPhone 14 Plus, which is the larger version of the more regular iPhone 14, it doesn't come out until the beginning of October, so we don't have that. But what we have is the main boy, which is the iPhone 14 Pro Max seen right here. Now, I should say right off that the cover that I've chosen for this particular video is the rugged case from Nomad. It's awesome. We have a dedicated video on all of the iPhone 14 cases that they make, so go watch that as well. And I went over to a phone shop to uh, ask them to put like a you know, protective glass on the iPhone 14 Pro Max while I'm testing it just to make sure that nothing happens to it. And they put this oleophobic like protective film, which really makes the uh, pill-shaped dynamic island stand out way more than I had intended. So I'm going to remove it as soon as I can get some glass on it. The point of the matter is that this looks, this makes it look more apparent than it probably is. So apologies for that. But you know, I just wanted to protect the phone. That's all I wanted to do. But apart from that oleophobic piece of ad like adhesive protective film, my week's worth of testing with the iPhone Pro Max have been absolutely incredible. And I'm very comfortable in saying that this is the best smartphone I believe that you can get on the market. And that there's a couple of reasons for that. For one, the things that Android phones, the um, basically the progress that they've made over the past three to four years, where Apple kind of have been leaning on their ecosystem advantages, where Apple apologists sometimes like myself have been saying, well, you don't get a 120 hertz refresh rate screen because, well, it, it's okay, it's an Apple product. They are really good at iterating on top of the platforms that they already have. Well, you don't need a bigger main sensor with a higher megapixel count because Apple are really good at figuring out what to do with the 12 megapixel sensors that they already have. Uh, well, it doesn't have an always on display because, well, Apple's phones don't really need that, blah, 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 blah. So again, the apology list has been long, but over the course of those three to four years, Apple have slowly been chiseling away at those kind of advantages, platform advantages that a Android phones like Samsung's have had over on their side to the point where this has, I would say, both feature parity with, say, a Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra, but it also has all of the ecosystem and software advantages that Apple usually has, meaning that this is now a best of both worlds scenario, and this is just so freaking good. Like, there is not one point that I can point to and say this is where iPhones are still markedly inferior, apart from perhaps charging speed, but I would argue that this has so much better battery life than your average uh, Android flagship. And I charge mine overnight. So the fact that I can get around two days worth out of this 14 Pro Max and charge it with my MagSafe charger overnight kind of mitigates some of that disappointment, but it's obviously where a field where Apple can do better. So let's go over what is new. So some really obvious new improvements here. Um, we still get the same that makes the iPhone an iPhone. So that means rigorous testing, which means manufacturing quality, which is just a lot beyond what others can basically, you know, 
offer, I would say, wireless charging, IP68 dust and water resistant. I'm gonna remove this because otherwise you won't be able to appreciate the new space black color here. Um, uh, as I said, wireless charging, IP68 dust and water resistance, the ceramic shield uh, protection sizes up to one terabyte. That is all good. And I should also stress for our European viewers here, this still has a physical SIM tray. It is only in the States for now where these phones are being offered up without physical SIM trays where you only where you can only do eSIMs. Not everyone has access to an eSIM for obvious reasons, but you don't have to worry about it, at least not here. I'm guessing that next year, all iPhones will be eSIM only. However you feel about that, that's up to you, but I, uh, it's nice that it's not this year, I would say. This screen right here is a Super Retina XDR display. It has a two million to one contrast ratio. It's 2796 by 1290. It's a hundred Hertz ProMotion uh, LTPO, which means that it can go all the way down to one Hertz, basically meaning that it won't use as much battery when it is just showing you your always on display um, lock screen. Uh, this is not new. Other manufacturers definitely have experimented with LTPO technology in their displays for a while, but it's good to see it here, which means that I basically have battery parity with the 13 Pro Max last year. Maybe a couple of percentages lower, but not by much. I really do think that. And um, I would also say that, you know, with the added functionality of an always on display, it's really, really nice. So again, the main news about the display is definitely that outside, when the iPhone sensors detect that there's a lot of natural sunlight beaming down on the screen, this goes up to 2000 nits peak brightness. Basically means that it is perfectly readable and watchable in all outside conditions. That is absolutely incredible and something which is, by the way, best on the market better than Samsung as well, which offers up like 1500, 1600 nits peak brightness. This is just better. There is simply no way around it. So let me show you the always on display on the iPhone. Three, two, one, and there you go. That's very bright. A lot of Android users have actually been really confused by this in reviews that I've seen about the watch, like the, not the watch face, the always on display being so bright. And you can kind of see why. Most of my background is visible. It's not in black and white, it's full color. And if I've chosen a pretty, you know, um, bright and colorful font and color for my, uh, for my clock and my date and the widgets that I have on my screen, well, it's all very colorful. And some people have actually said that if they put it down here on a table, they will mistake it for it being on. So they will touch the lock button, which means that they'll unlock it. And I can understand why, but to me, it just means that this is just a better, like always on uh, display because it's usable in more conditions. It looks better. It uh, allows the personality of my lock screen and my widgets to shine through. I have always been kind of disappointed with say Samsung's always on display because whenever I turn it off, it just shows like a white, like, you know, the time and the date. Whereas I would want the personality of my phone to shine through even though it's locked. Well, this does that. And I think it does it absolutely well. Now, there's all kinds of ways in which it will turn off. I have an Apple watch on always. I wear it every single day. So if it detects that I have a watch on and I walk away from the phone where it says, well, now he can look at his watch, it'll turn off. If it detects it's in a pocket, 
it'll turn off entirely. So it's only in these kinds of scenarios where you have it face down on a desk or something like that, where it knows that you might be glancing over it to see if you have an appointment coming up, like what the temperature is outside, what time it is, what date it is, then it's on. And that is also one of those processes, which means that Apple can still offer up the best battery life in the business. So that was the always on display. Now let's go dynamic island. So the dynamic island is essentially a way for Apple to, well, give a name to a feature which was usually designed around what we would usually call the notch. Now the notch has been um, basically removed from the top bezel and now exists in the little island which has actually screen above it and below it. So it is technically an island in the display. So Apple chose to give this like little cutout, it's completely own software engine. There's a whole like different SOC powering just the animations for the dynamic island, which also means that it's incredibly nice to look at. So even though that Apple makes its own, um, Apple makes its, uh, its own music app, it also works with Spotify, it also works with Skype, even though FaceTime exists. So I'm going to put a, uh, a piece of music on, which we obviously will turn off right like or turn the volume all the way down so we don't have any copyright strikes and you'll be able to see what happens when i use that so here is a piece of music we are going to turn the volume all the way down so now you can see the dynamic island very very clearly on the screen so now i want to go back i want to go all the way back and so i swipe and it flies up into the dynamic island but the dynamic island has changed. It is markedly different now, actually. So look at this up here. It actually has this little play icon with a little tiny version of the album art. So if I press and hold, it'll give me the little window which allows me to play and pause and skip and, and basically choose the audio source if I want to change it to a, a, a speaker in my home. Um, and if I tap, I bring it back to my home screen again. If I want to go straight to Spotify, I know the icon is right there, but let's say for instance, that Spotify is not something you have on your home screen. You just tap the dynamic island and you're back. You swipe and it moves up into the dynamic island. It's, it sounds so slight and I would never ever argue that this is on its own a reason to buy an iPhone 14 Pro or Pro Max but you can't tell me that this isn't neat. So another, let's have another example. So here is a, let's have a timer. So I want to have a timer set for eight minutes because I'm cooking and I want to boil some eggs. So I start the timer and now it's on, I turn it off and the dynamic island expands. So over here on the right, next to the little icon which plays my music, I have my timer. So long press and I can see my timer. So now I know that there's seven minutes and 40 seconds left. Tap to go back. Oh, tap to go back. I'm just gonna allow this app to go away. So tap to go back and you still have the timer and you still have the Spotify window. Several things can inhabit the dynamic island at once. It can split into two. And the thing is, Usually, if you try and think about it, usually these processes were in different areas of the iOS 16 um, landscape. So 
if I wanted to um, pause my music, there would be a little window up here on the right uh, in, in, if you drop the notification shade that would be there. It's kind of an annoying place for it to be. The timer would only be in the, in the clock app. So what Dynamic Island allows us to do is to basically put all of these auxiliary functions into one place. And it's not gonna come from day to day, but imagine yourself in a year or two years. If you have trained your mind to always look towards the Dynamic Island, imagine what app developers can do with it. It's a way to gather up the functions that would be in separate places and have it in the same place where you're always looking. I think this is absolutely brilliant and it's like the quintessential Apple solution to a problem. I know you can probably remove said problem by just having a hole punch, put the selfie camera and these sensors below the screen, which you probably can in a few years. But for now, this is absolutely brilliant and it's classic Apple in the best possible way. So how do we get down from Dynamic Island, right? Well, there is actually a couple of new things here. So there is a new A16 Bionic, which in our process, like it's a new four nanometer process, which basically means that they've been able to raise the transistor density and create more horsepower per, you know, micron or whatever, like small parameter you want to use to measure chip sizes. The point of the matter of a new nanometer process is basically that it's more efficient and it's more powerful. That's what you need to know. Um, it's better. It's like 10% better in benchmark apps like Geekbench. Android is still like, it's not wrong when Apple shows one of their like usually vague graphs about Android manufacturers trying to catch up with like the A14, the A13 Bionic even. So getting a new A16 Bionic is probably not a bad thing. Um, and finally, a new sensor. This main sensor right here is 48 megapixels rather than 12 megapixels. And it is actually one of those factors where more is better. That basically means that the, um, that the millimeter size of the lens is larger. That means that it naturally is driving in more light in both bad, uh, like bad lighting conditions and good lighting conditions. More light equals more dynamic range, and it usually means sharper, more detailed photos. It also means that this has a shallower depth of field. What that usually means is that, uh, and that's actually something that I've been experimenting a lot with, and there are photos in the actual review, which I've posted just before sitting down and recording this. And do you know that usually when you take a portrait of something, you, you point your camera and you use the portrait function because that portrait function will usually cut out the front layer of, a, of an image, creating a more natural depth of field and bokeh around that subject. Well, now you don't need to use the telephoto lens at all because of the shallower depth of field, you'll get the portrait sensation of a photo, which is nice blurry bokeh in the background and a tack shark subject in the front from the main sensor because that's what the larger megapixel count allows you to do. It is a fantastic camera all around, both in low light conditions and in good lighted conditions. Um, Again, we will go in much more detail in the actual review, but for now, it's just a fantastic camera. And that leads, uh, leads us way back to the start because, well, yeah, there's obviously things that some Android phone phones do better. OnePlus phones charges faster. Samsung Galaxy phones has 100X space zoom written on the back. But the iPhone 14 Pro Max 
has all of the technological advances that you'd expect out of a modern flagship device. And it offers all of the ecosystem advantages that Apple has been building over the course of many years. So, while there probably will never be an iPhone that will convince even the most hardcore Android user to like, give up and buy an iPhone, and I think that's perfectly fine, this is the best iPhone, and I would also argue the best smartphone on the market. Thank you so much for watching. See you on the next one.